Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass, presented by Nolan Consulting Group. Out of the Hourglass is here to help small business owners and contractors like you visualize their goals, develop their team, and build sustainable growth. Today's episode features the latest installment of our SL2 Experience series. Colin and Molly are teaming up again to discuss situational leadership, this time talking about D2 and S2. Do you know how to spot where an employee may be a D2 in your company? What are some of the ways you can manage a D2 properly? All of this and much more. Be sure to scroll back and listen to our previous episodes with Colin and Molly if you haven't yet. There's plenty of great content for you and your team throughout the SL2 Experience Series. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show! All right, thanks Carter. It's great to be back with Colin Nolan for another conversation and to continue our SL2 Experience Series. Colin, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, So, so far in the series, we've done a broad overview. We've talked about SMART goals um, and then the D1 and S1 learning and leadership styles. So last time we talked about D1, correct, Colin? Correct. And the D1 learner, an S1 learner. S1 leader. S1 leader. Right, so how to to properly lead a D1, right? Thank you for correcting me. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've not yet taken a listen to that podcast, I'd say pause here. Crucial. Crucial. Pause here. Yes. Listen to both the SMART goals and the D1 episode, which is our our, our previous episode. Um, Listen to those first, but then please come back. We want you to make sure you, you jump back on the wagon here and come back to, to this episode. But please, it's important that you establish a base as we continue to add more concepts and kind of details to the series. Uh, make sure you're, you're doing it in order. So before we get into today's topic, which is about the D2 learner and the S2 leader, Colin, can you give us a two-minute refresh on the D1? Yes. So someone who is a D1 is an enthusiastic beginner at the goal or task. So take it back even further. So when we're talking about diagnosing somebody, remember we're talking about their competence and their commitment. And competence is their goal or task specific competence. So have they done this goal or task before? And then their transferable skills. So what are they bringing to the table that's going to help them to develop? So are they bringing good communication skills, problem solving skills, things that are going to aid them in their development uh, that they think are going to or that the people can sometimes get confused and think that is is what actual goal or task specific skills are. Um, So competence, goal or task specific skills, and transferable skills. And then commitment is motivation and confidence. So is somebody driven to achieve this? Does the idea of it give them energy? And then confidence, do they believe they can achieve it? Do they believe they have what it takes? Then they know how to achieve it. So the combination of those two, uh, competence Mm -hmm. and commitment, is what we use. So higher, low, higher, low to diagnose where someone is at. And are they a D1, D2, D3, or D4? So someone who is a D1 is low competence. They've never done the goal or task before. High commitment. They're excited, they're motivated, and they're confident. So now going into D2, the the next one, the progression we have a low competence and low commitment. Ooh, doesn't sound good. So in D1, and I, I'm glad you said that because I want to hit that actually. So in D1, we, we knew that the, this person had no competence, but they had commitment. Right. They are motivated easy, or confident. Yeah, they right. were excited. Now that's gone. So there's, there's a pre- before we, we get into it, there's a preconceived notion. A lot of people think that 
getting assigned D1 through D4 at certain goals or tasks is like a grade, uh, A, B, C, or D. It's just not the case. There's no good or bad development level. And we're all going to be a certain development style at anything that we do. We all are. Do. Not even yeah. going to be. We all are. Right now, this very moment, we are all... If you look at D1 all the things, D4. all the tasks that you right. have laid out, you are a certain D at each one right. of those. And they're all going to be different. So there is no bad. Um, some people would prefer a D1, a D2 over a D1 even, right? If, you're, if that's the kind of leadership you're good at, maybe you like a D2. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. So a, a D2, so the, the disillusioned learner. So, let, so let's take that D1 for a second here, right? We had someone who was excited about the, about the job, mm-hmm. didn't know what they didn't know. Now this person has moved into D2 because they've experienced that goal or task in some way, shape, or form. Whether they've been doing the role for 10 seconds or for a year, whatever point they realize that the goal or task is slightly different, is massively different, slightly different, doesn't matter. At some point, there's a difference there's a gap. I call it the, the D2 gap between what I thought this goal or task or job would be and what it actually is. Is it that gap as to sometimes where that fear factor comes in, where they begin to doubt their confidence? Yeah, well, it's, it? it's, it's people don't like change. Like why? Right. Wait, this is not what I thought. So uh, there's the D2 gap, right? But there's also a D2 dip. So you fall down into D2. So there's different levels of D2. There's, huh, this, this is a little bit different than I thought. Um, a little more, more challenging, but I think I'll be okay. And then there's, I can't do this. I'm a failure. I need to quit. I'm done. Panic. So there, both are D2, mm-hmm. but different levels. The right leadership given to those individuals is what hopefully stops that, that worst-case scenario one from actually happening. Identifying once someone makes that shift from D1 to D2, recognizing it, and then, and then changing how you lead to match the D2 is what's going to stop that dip. Just because I, I have to ask that worst case scenario, uh, it, can, you, can you save them? Can you pull them back? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, with, with the right leadership style, of course you can. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the second half of this mm-hmm. recording. So when you have someone who's a D2, so what are some, how do you know, right? So this is someone who previously was excited they had energy about them, or maybe not a ton of energy, but, but they wanted to accomplish goal or task. But now there's been a change. Now they know what they didn't know. Remember we talked before in the, uh, the last podcast about the mountain climber right. who had climbed mountains in the past, but he saw he couldn't see Mount Everest, but he knew it was there. He thought he could do it, right, at D1. Now the fog has cleared. And now he sees the challenge. Now he sees the challenge. Mm-hmm. Now he knows what it is that the, the leader's talking about, what a good job looks like. And now, so, and the, 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 the farther off he was and what he thought it was going to be like, is like, so maybe he's climbed a couple hills in his backyard before, right? Seeing Mount Everest, massive D2 dip. I can't do this. I'm going home. Maybe he's climbed Count, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro before and going, oh, wow, this is a lot different. But I thought that same thing. But when I first saw Mount Kilimanjaro, so I I know that I can do it. I just it's just I'm a little discouraged right now, right? Two different dips, right? Right. But still, there that that disconnect is gone. The mutual mystification is gone. Now we both know that we're talking different things, right? So this person is disillusioned. They're now lacking energy around it. They've likely lost confidence in in themselves and their ability to do the goal or task. 
They still don't really know anything about the Golar task because they've just started experiencing it. They know more than the D1 does, but they still haven't done it for long enough to be competent yet. But they know enough to have that be a factor in how the leader leads and the, and the conversation happens. It's probably pr a pretty apparent shift uh, you, to recognize who is a D1 versus a D2 when you've seen someone excited and ready to attack well, versus yes, a D2. Sure. There's clearly been a shift in the mental space. Certain people are easier, right? People who are more, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? More expressive, right? right? People who wear their emotions on their sleeve. Mm -hmm pretty obvious when someone's made a dip there but for people who are normally stoic and normally don't show a lot of emotion or, or don't you know speak a this ton this will be hard it's hard that's where the communication piece is huge right when because if you are giving the right s1 leadership and you're staying connected a lot and you're, you're able to closely monitor and ask where are you at how do you feel right you're constantly staying plugged in right so people don't don't just raise their hand and go you know i'm a d2 now I'm a D2, come help. Don't voluntarily say that I'm miserable and right. I can't do this anymore. So that, that loss of motivation and the loss of confidence shows itself in different ways in different people. And you need to be attuned as a leader to spot it. So someone starts showing up late for work. You know, they, so the first week they showed up on time, it's great. They're excited. But now they start showing up a couple of minutes late and it gets more each day. That person didn't forget how to show up on time like that didn't they didn't that's not what's happening here they're just no longer motivated to get there on time something changed mentally if if the idea of a job no longer brings you energy it's going to come out in every way and everything that you do right that alarm goes off you don't hop out as quickly right you don't have things prepared the night before you, you slip more mm -hmm. you're more um you what's what's what i'm looking for you're just you're okay with bad things happening um so you, you just you don't put the effort into it that you normally would. So they start showing up late, and we as a leader go, well, showing up on time is one of our most important things. They can't do that. They're out of here. No, that's, I mean, that's not – and that – so don't get me wrong. That does happen with people, and they do need to be let go. But the mistake is to not recognize that sometimes behaviors and actions are the result of people falling into D2, and we need to have that conversation and, and catch them. I'm just going to ask what are some common misconceptions and you kind of just nailed it there with someone's not showing up on time, they're not following the rules, right. they're out. Right. We need to dig deeper there to truly understand what's happening. What's going on here? How, how are you feeling about this job, this role, this goal, right? All of those. Where are you at? So I think that leads us to the kind of leadership style. What does someone who has fallen into this D2 right. gap or... Uh, Gosh, I'm just forgetting what was the other word you said. So what, what, uh, the the D two dip. The dip. Right. Thank you. The gap versus the dip. So when so so how do we lead this person? How do we so, how do we get them out? Right. So we talked about the S one leadership to D one last time and how that's all directive leadership, right? So we and we did that because that person didn't know anything about the goal or task, so we needed to teach them. Right. So we still need that here because this person still doesn't know anything. Right? So we still need to be high directive. They need the support more than ever. So that's funny you say that because then the next piece of leadership, right? when we talk about the two different behaviors of being a leader, you can be directive, telling and showing how, and then we can be supportive. So supportive is the second piece. Okay. So when you, when you are displaying supportive behaviors, you're not doing anything that's specific to the goal or task, right? Showing or telling how. You're handling the person, the mental 
aspect, the emotional side. So supporting is listening, asking questions, sympathizing, um, relating what they're going through to when you previously went through it. So sharing information about yourself, explaining why, why it has to happen this way, right? So it's, it's asking a ton of questions. Um, so there's nothing about supportive leadership and supportive behaviors that is goal or task specific. It's about the person. Correct. So when, when it's we- It's like a leadership style. So when we recognize someone's fallen into D2 and they're in that D2 dip, they've gone from not knowing anything to still not knowing anything, but all of a sudden their mental side has taken a massive turn and they won't be in a place where we can continue with the instruction that we were giving them until they're re-engaged because they're disengaged right now, right? So we need to re-engage them before we provide the additional instruction. So we need to get their mind right. So you come in first with a supportive leadership. What's going on? How are you feeling? I remember when I've been in your shoes. It's difficult. I know it is. It's not an easy job or goal or task, whatever it is. But you just got to trust me. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to give you all the information you need. You can come to me. I will train you at any time in a new new whatever. Believe me, it's going to get better. Okay? Great. Now here's what you're going to do today. And then you jump back in with with the direction. Gotcha. So you get their head right. You get them back on board. You can that you can make them teachable again, and then you bring the direction. I can imagine for some people, um, we talked in the last episode about having to change your leadership style for different people. Um, I can imagine for some individuals leading, sure. if there's there's a sense of frustration because someone's not showing up or doing the things, and to to turn on that kind of that that empathetic knob yeah. and support the person and take the goal out of it for. A hot second. Let's let's figure out what's going on in the brain. That can be difficult for people. Right. I mean, the the best leaders realize that when you hire someone, you hire the whole person, right? You, people, you know, they should show up. They should do their job. I'm paying them. That is such a, a narrow way of viewing right. leadership, right? You you're not just leading them in the goal or task. You're leading them, the individual. So it it is your job to get them in the right mindset and to stay in tune with their feelings and their emotions. That's your job as a leader. If right. you ignore that, do it at your own peril, right? You can't, you can't do that. I think that's a very old-fashioned way of, of leading. Um, you have to care about the people on your team, you, and you have to, you have to show, them that, show them that you care and be genuine because right. then they will fight for you ultimately. Right. So this, this, is, um, this leadership style can be difficult for people who um, don't want to get super involved, don't want to be touchy-feely, would rather just say, stay here and now. Um, it does not feel like a good use of time to have to be um, displaying supportive leadership behaviors, right? So a lot of our um, cust- a lot of our customers, clients, people, they you know they they are compensated. They have paid for performance. They have to get jobs done in in the right allotment of time. They have a certain amount of hours to do a job, right? So a lot of times they're thinking about getting things done. They're thinking about moving resources, moving manpower, right? Being efficient with their time. Supportive leadership is not an efficient use of time. You're going to potentially lose on profit that day. Mm. You're going you're gonna to go over on this job this day because you had, had to pull someone aside, take them out for lunch, whatever it was, where you had to get them in the right mindset again. But for that person's long-term development, it you're, is the most effective use of that time. You're investing in them. Correct. It's you're investing in that individual. Yep. Right. So 
that can be a difficult hurdle for leaders to overcome if supportive leadership is not a natural style for you. Is there, so kind of speaking to that, uh, that concept and, you know, we talk about how long someone should or may be in a certain um, development stage. How long should someone be in a D2 before there's some recognition that maybe this is just not going to be the fit? So it's a great question. Um, and probably no direct answer. Yeah, there's direct no direct answer. answer. I, you know, it depends on how complicated the role or goal or task is. Um, the more complicated the, the goal or task, you know, the more difficult it is. Um, the, the more of a grace period you need to give somebody right. to get competent at it. Uh, so it, it, it is different for every role and individual. Um, I, think you need to, uh, I think you need to understand and be clear with yourself on what you're willing to tolerate, what standards, right? So, so in our world, in the, the trades world, there's an acceptable amount of time to move somebody up from you know, as a tech, technician one to technician two, right, to be able to take on more advanced duties. Um, if they can't do that in that amount of time, then it's probably not a fit for them. Right. Right. So you, you can make it more black and white in that with those issues. Uh, but when you get more to more complicated issues, it can take more time. So and every each person is different as well. Um, so it's I think you got to rely on your gut feel a little bit there as well. Blind your gut feel and know yeah. you're you are giving it a chance. You are turning on that support button and right. and try and trying. If someone and if someone is stuck there for a long time. I would analyze yourself. Are you really providing mm. the right leadership? Are you matching? That's a good point. Um, Taking a look in the mirror. So there. I mean that's so that's the whole goal of SL two, right? So we all are at different development styles for a bunch of different goals or tasks, as we keep saying, but we don't have a leader for everything we do in life, right? We do a lot of things on We're our own. We're often our own leader. So, right. So the goal of SL2 is to move people through quicker. By giving the right leadership at the right time, you will move them through quicker than if you had not. Or, or move them up even if they would never have been moved up. That makes sense. Right? So that's the goal, is to, is to close that, that, uh, that loop, that uh, amount of time it takes. Because ultimately, we, we want everyone to get to the D4 level in the task and goal that in Whatever they're, they're striving for. Correct. Right. right. Uh, so let's go back to those real-world examples again. We talked about in our last episode right. uh, where you yourself have, you know, where you were at D1. Right. Uh, now, where were disc, you? Disc yeah, reviews, right? Disc reviews and then the triathlon. So where were you at D2? Did you fall right. into that, that gap? So, yeah, I mean, I, I had a very, with, with discs especially, I had a very narrow view of what a disc debrief was because it wasn't just me reviewing the disc profile that I saw and things about it but it's answering questions. So the questions piece is where I began to slip. So mm-hmm. I would do my, di- the, I was doing the disc debrief, doing the overview, and then they would begin to get into questions about this specific disc. So um, Colin, this person has a history of this being a high C, how does that factor in? How should we, we manage them? What should we, we look, I mean, things that I had not prepared for, things right. that I had never experienced, right? Uh, I wasn't sure if there's a right answer or not. Do I trust my gut or do I not know enough? Because all, all of a sudden I know what I don't know. Right. That's, that's, that's the D2 moment is, wow, there are things I don't know about DISC. Uh, I am not competent, as competent as I thought. And for many of us, recognizing what we don't know and not being able to have the answer is scary. Yeah. And when someone on the other other end is expecting an answer and you, you think you have all, all the answers and you realize you don't and you're on the spot. Right. So, I mean, that's, it's easy to relate to that. And, and you can see how my confidence 
as a result of being asked questions totally. that I don't know the answer to, thinking that I should, right? It really does a number on your confidence. And then that, that call ends, and then there's the idea of potentially doing more of these disk debriefs. Am I motivated to do more? No. Because I, I just felt really unconfident. I was really uncomfortable. Why would I want to do more? The idea of that is not bring energy. There's to me. no joy there. Right. So that, that's a good example. Like, yeah, do I want to ultimately be able to do these and like move up in my career? Yes. But the idea of it, I don't want to be that uncomfortable again. I don't want to do that again. Avoidance. Right? Exactly. Avoidance steps in. And I still, now, but now I knew I didn't know. I still had relatively the same level of competency, mm-hmm. right? Slightly, slightly more competency than I was at D1 because I at least had been through stuff, but n- nowhere near enough. So still lo- low competency, low goal or task experience. Okay. Um, so that, that was my D2 moment with, with DISC, was getting questioned, realizing you don't know what, what I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, the triathlon one is, it was very vivid. Um, <laughs> it is, it was, uh, so believe it or not, this triathlon um, became a duathlon because the swim was canceled. That has happened to me so many times, yeah. can I tell you? It's very frustrating. So, I, so that even raised my confidence even more so, right, on the swim now. So very overconfident. Um, so as I expressed on the last podcast we, we did on this topic, I had done running competitions in the past, running races, and I biked a lot in the past, right? And I thought that I was competent at both, but I had never done them together. So my muscles had no experience going from biking for a period of time to then having to totally do a different thing and run, right? And you probably trained a little bit, but not to the extent of what nowhere near what I should have. And I don't was. know if I even really trained that much. I think I was naive. That's I think it's yeah. a classic D one. You're you naive. Prepared for the bricks that right your exactly. Legs felt oh, like. so the, right. So we'll, we'll get to that later. But so what ended up happening to me is I started to get off the bike, and started to run, and I began to have these really big, ball like baseball sized cramps. Ooh. My lower thigh above my knees on the inside and whenever i would i would slow down slightly to water or whatever in the beginning part of the run i'd be, would cramp up and it would like lock up this had never happened to me before my muscles were not used to changing the how they were firing changing having to do different things because the muscles you use between biking to running are completely different i had exhausted a, a piece of my, my muscles a piece of the thigh for the you know what, what requires to bike is different so in any event, I began to have these cramps, and over the course of the next mile or two, it became worse and worse to the point where I stopped for water at one at one water stop, and I couldn't start running again. I, lo- I locked up. Ooh. I had to sit down, and to, to add insult to injury, a, a medic came over. He was like massaging them through. He was making sure I had enough um, electrolytes, and he almost pulled me out of the race. And that was a very humiliating experience. Uh, I ended up walking a big piece of the, of the next mile, and I, I did a very light jog to finish it out um, after much, you know, massaging, and um, it wasn't that quick or easy. But in any event, I, I was extremely demotivated after that. Right. It was very uncomfortable. My confidence was shot. Like, this is something that's never happened to me before. I've never n- not been able to finish a race um, for something that I thought was controllable. Um, and this cramping muscle became an issue um, by following triathlons where I, now I knew about it. I knew that that part of my, my body cramped during that bi- uh, bike to run transition. 
and now I needed to come up with a game plan for it. Um, but but that moment, that cramping moment, going, I now I know I'm not competent, right? I've never done this before. I don't know what to do, and I'm not sure I can finish this race. I think we've all been there at some point of our life where our ego kind of takes over, and I'm like, we got this, we can do it. Mm -hmm. We don't practice as much as we should, or train as hard as we should or study as much as we should, and then we kind of get a slap on the face mm -hmm. or a gut punch, and there comes D2. Mm -hmm. So I actually got a, I got a um, triathlon coach as a result of that nice. moment who provided me with support. Cramping happens, Colin. It's a part of these races. It's different than normal normal running. You're using different parts of your, of your body. You need to um, have different nutrition right? You're, but trust me, we're going to work together. You're going you're to get there. You're gonna, we're going to get you to, to doing really well in these. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on your nutrition. So he supported me. Mm -hmm. Then he directed me. And he probably didn't even know he was doing an S2 style. But I, I felt better about my future chances. I got some motivation back. Like, all right, I'm ready to do this again. Yep. Still not very confident. So still low on commitment. But eventually I got the right leadership I needed. Without that, I might still be in D2. Yeah, I mean, that's the critical point, I think, is realizing that you did need leadership and you needed, um, because something you still wanted to do, you weren't, you weren't ready to give up yet. It's, that's such and a, so if you're yeah. not ready to give up on something yet and you fall into this D2 trap, you need to find someone who's going to support you and then guide you. And, you ha and it's okay to ask for help. I would never have dreamed of needing a, a triathlon coach beforehand because I never needed one for running, right? But I didn't know what I didn't know. I was a D1. Now I was a D2 and I'm going... All right, I need I need some help. I now I know what, what's happening and I'm demoralized. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and the coaches kind of play uh, a variety of uh, they play a variety, a variety of different levels in your life, from mm -hmm. the supporting to the directing to the giving advice. Um, I mean, it's what we do here so, at the consulting group. We yeah. we support, we coach, um, we help build, and that's what you needed. S two is called the coaching style. Because what, what, what does a sports coach do? A sports coach, not only do they instruct you on what, what to do in the game, mm -hmm. right? Try and build your skills, but they also try and get teams in the right mindset, right? That's that's S2 leadership yep. right there. Mental capacity mm -hmm. is a real, it's, it's, it's a real challenge. Uh, well, well, do you have some questions for me before yep. we wrap this up? The, I feel uh, like this is, the, this the is what we do quiz. now. Right. So what are some signs, Molly, of someone in D2? Someone in D2 is, uh, has lost their enthusiasm, has probably, uh, if they're an emotional person, you can kind of see it sh straight out. They're no longer motivated and excited. They're feeling a bit dis you know, disillusioned from uh, what they thought was going to be. Uh, they're probably a bit more reserved now. Mm -hmm. they, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention this, actually, but I, I should have. So... A D2, a hallmark of D2 is asking why and asking for rationale. As so to why they feel that way? As to why we have to, to why is this different? So what, how, is, how it will present is, I mean, old company, we did it this way. Why do we have, to, why, why can't I do it my old way? I, I don't want to do things this way, right? They're asking that because it's different. What's actually happening is they now realize is different than what was in their head. So they're pushing back. Exactly. So as to give them support, so that this is be support then, you need to explain why. Here's why we do it this way. Here's why it matters. Here's why it's important. Makes total they, sense. they need to be on board again to, to, to want, want to learn the new way. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a sign of D2 with somebody who's asking for rationale, asking why. Um, what does a 
person in D2 need from their leader? Uh, a person in D2 needs first needs support. They need they need the I think the the people aspect, the empathy of understanding uh, why they are feeling the way that they are. Um, I'm here to support you. You're not in this alone. We will figure this out. Let's get back on track. And then they need the direction. But mm -hmm. it's the support. It's the it's the people. The people first mm -hmm. uh, is what should be the priority. Very the most time intensive leadership style, right? Because again, doing... you have to invest in your people, investing in your team. As you said before, you, you know when you hire someone, you hire the whole person, not just the role. What what could be a common mistake of S two leadership or, or or lack thereof? A common mistake of S two leadership. Uh. One, I say, I would say, uh, just jumping in and trying to give directions without understanding the why of how they got to this position. Mm, that's great. Jumping back in, thinking that you need to solve a problem. Yeah. And it's only kind of a, 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 a tactile problem, right? We need to fix this, this exactly. job when really it's the person who needs the help. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, too, um, being aware that you have to, kind of going back to what I just said, take the time to invest Mm -hmm. in your people, you know, how long are you willing to give it, understand that, but know that that's part of, you know, the role that you play as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd just to add to that, because those, those are great, I'd say seeing a, um, mistaking a um, uh, uh, result for a competency issue, right? So someone, so the easy, easy example is someone showing a plate. Well, they, they, they don't want to show up on time. They don't yeah. know how, right? Well, yeah, don't jump to conclusions. Right. Again, there's there's should be no assuming in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last question, again, is going to be, so when you're leading someone, S2 to D2, mm -hmm. what in that kind of conversation, what do you think the talking percentage is between both the leader and the individual? I think the leader is asking questions and the learner is speaking more. And the learner is speaking more. I think the I think we need to understand where the learner is at. So more the learner is speaking more compared to what? Compared to the D one style. For sure. Uh, right. maybe it's a more fifty fifty conversation. Maybe it's more conversational. Uh, it's close, but, yeah. So it's it's close to fifty fifty. Okay. Right. It's the it's the learner sharing their experience thus far, right? Their difficult experience. And then it's the leader um, acknowledging that and sympathizing with them, encouraging, giving more instruction. So I, it, I would say it's closer like 55, 45, 60, 40 maybe. Okay. But it's close. Yeah. With with the, the leader being just edging a little bit more in, mm -hmm. in kind of leading the conversation. Probably a little bit more because okay. the person still doesn't know a whole lot. So there's still a, a lot of instruction that has to happen. Got it. Right? It's just that support comes before the instruction this time. Correct. Correct. You're exactly right. Yep. Um, great. Well, those How'd are I all do? the questions. You did great. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We will wrap this up then. Colin, anything else you want to add about D2S2 before we call it, call it a close? Um, slow down and observe more and spot the, the dip. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Look for the dip. All right, Colin. Well, thank you again for your time. This was another great conversation. Uh, we will continue this in a couple of weeks when we talk about D3 and S3. And we will see again where, where you are at with the disc and the triathlon. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one.